Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and this is the August 6, 2020 edition of my program, of my podcast, that I record right here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, but a little special this week, a little something out of the ordinary, I'm not live, I'm not recording live, I am, uh, I, I prepared this episode, got it all ready, because I will be unavailable uh, at this current time, at the very, very moment where we usually record live, which is at Thursdays, uh, Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard, just in case you're wondering. So you can come back. You can come back next week and the week after that. I will be back next week doing this live. So if you're popping in and you're like, "Oh, well, well, the the show's not live this week. Oh, what a bummer!" That's fine. You can still stick around. The, I'm I'm debuting it as a premiere right now on YouTube. So the chat is open. You guys can 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 chat. But you know, maybe you're just maybe you're just listening to this. Uh, maybe you're listening to this whenever you want. Maybe you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application because the Mr. Warren Hayes Show is available on a lot of podcast platforms. So maybe, you know, this, the fact that I'm not live, you're like, I don't care, Warren, I never watch you live. But you know what I mean. You know, there's a, because there's always people who pop in, to hang around live throughout the evening, throughout the proceedings. So, but, it, I mean, it doesn't keep me away from talking about pro wrestling, and that's what's awesome. So, so if you're a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Patreon, well, then there, there's not going to be a post stream tonight either. We'll find a way to, 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 to convene and, and talk about wrestling to sort of make up for it. But, yeah, I mean, it's just one of these special circumstances. But don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's going to be back to normal next week, I promise. But hey, you know, if you do want to show some support for the Mr. Warren Hayes show here, listen, this is what you can do. Super easy. Very, very easy. If you're listening to this on YouTube right now, give it a thumbs up. Share the video. Put Get get people to watch this. And, and that's the kind of stuff that YouTube really likes. If you're listening to this as a podcast, give it a review, a like, a subscribe, a follow, however you can do it on uh, on your favorite podcast app. That kind of stuff really, really helps. And uh, you can also join the Mr. Warren Hayes Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Uh, and, uh, and subscribe. And then, yeah, you get access to the to the post show and some extra thoughts and stuff like that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I, there's probably going to be some expansions this month to, uh, to the Patreon. And I'm excited to... To see what I can do exactly for those, but uh, but yeah, we're definitely uh, definitely on our win. It's a good sh- way to show some monthly support for for what I do, not just for the extra content, but for the content you see here as well. Or you can become a member of this channel if you go to YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. There's a join button there, and you can join the channel as a member. And it's really the best the the, the best option if you are. Um, if you like to come to the live shows, if you come to like to come to hang out in the live shows, then you unlock a whole bunch of emojis, custom emojis just for the show right here. So that's cool. Everybody likes emojis. Emojis are fun. So so why don't you, you, you can check that out. Those are great ways to show support. And of course, of course, you can subscribe if you want. I mean, if this is the first time or the second time or the third time you come, I hope that I can earn your subscription. I work hard for it. And I know, you know, I know your time is precious. I know you can't you, you can't subscribe to everything all the time. 
you get inundated with notifications then, right? You just get overwhelmed. But if you do, well, if you do subscribe, then I feel that I will have earned it and I appreciate it even more. So thank you in advance for whichever way you decide to show some love uh, for my little corner of the internet here. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, if you want to get proper, excellent, top-notch, coverage of women's wrestling you get over to belltobells.com that's b-e-l-l-t-o-b-e-l-l-e-s and that is the spot where you can get all sorts of women's wrestling coverage it's a good it's a good time a good place and good people good fun good times i don't know all right um so there you go hey I'm already done with the housekeeping. That was short. Jeez, maybe I should maybe I should record more often and get into the stuff right away. Let's do it. Let's go right into the weekly wrestling inspection. All right, let's start. Uh, let's start it off uh, on the right foot this week, shall we? Let's start with some cool beans. We're going to talk about New Japan Strong, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, which was announced. Uh, it was announced last week, last Friday evening. Uh, it was an announcement by New Japan of Amer- New Japan Pro Wrestling of America, NJPWOA, as if the acronym. As if the acronym wasn't already kind of convoluted, um, they uh, they announced that uh, that it's going uh, New Japan Strong is going to be a new show that they're going to be airing every Friday night in lieu of Lions Break Challenge, which uh, had been airing over the past couple of weeks. I guess that was an experiment to see if people were going to tune in, were interested, probably paying off for them. It's going to be broadcast on New Japan World, um, and clearly they're going to be focusing. On uh, on uh, New Japan talent that is uh, based in America, that is currently based in America, uh, and I'm okay with that. And to do this, to get like people excited about it, they announced that they are going to kick it off, kick off New Japan Strong with the very first, the inaugural New Japan Cup USA tournament. Uh, so they're going. It's going to be a single elimination tournament, exactly like your, like the the New Japan Cup. But the payoff here is that the winner is going to get a match with the I with the uh, to for a chance to win the IWGP United States Championship, currently owned by one Jonathan Moxley. Um, I think this is great. I'm super excited for that because now um, I liked Lion Break Collision because it's, it was like an hour of wrestling that was really, really easy to consume. Great matches, put forward some fantastic talent. And now you, now apparently we're going to be leaning in more to uh, the proper stars, or at least I'm doing air quotes for those of you who aren't watching. Not just the young Lions or outside talent, but... This, the 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 actual wrestling staff of New Japan, the brackets of the New Japan Cup have been announced. Uh, on the left side of the brackets, you have Carl Fredericks and Kenta, who are going to take 
uh, go at each other in the first round, as well as Jeff Cobb and Tangaloa. So that's cool. Then on the right side, we got David Finley versus uh, Chase Owens and Brody King from Ring of Honor taking on Tamatanga. Of course. So clearly, that's what we had heard. Kenta was in North America. Uh, I think he still lives in Orlando. I think he's still based there. So Kenta is in North America. That's exciting stuff. He's going to be taking on Carl Fredericks. Uh, hey, here's some flash predictions, quick predictions. Um, I'm excited that Kenta's going to be there. I think he's going to make mincemeat out of Carl Fredericks. Uh, Jeff Cobb versus Tangaloa. I think Cobb should go forward. Um, Tangaloa, fun, but... Uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot more value in Cobb, especially when you get to the quarterfinal match. If we get Jeff Cobb versus Kenta, are you kidding me? That's the one we want to see. That that's that's fantastic. Uh, that'd be a fantastic match right there. Over on the right side, Dave Finley and Chase Owens. I think you go with. I, I think you do. You go with Dave Finley, especially since when it comes to the uh, to the bottom. To the second uh, match, Brody King versus Tamatanga. I think Tamatanga goes forward. So I don't see them setting up like an all bullet club feud on, on or uh, an all bullet club match set up on the other side. Um, I think Dave Finley look they they tried uh, last year in the latter part of 2019 to give Dave Finley some um, some fire, you know, doing the whole fin juice thing and before that. So. I think we get David Finley versus Tamatanga. Tamatanga comes out and we end up get uh, or Dave Finley comes out on top and we get Kenta versus Dave Finley, which I think is a very interesting match. I think it's very fresh. Uh, and I mean, it's this is the kind of situation where uh, Dave Finley has an opportunity to shine. So hopefully he'll make the most of it. I really do. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Every Friday, New Japan Strong. Woo! I'm I'm all in for some more New Japan. That's for that's for darn sure. And since we're talking about New Japan still, um, I'm gonna continue the Cool Beans train because we saw uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Yuji Nagata again this week. It was a re uh, or last week I should say. Uh, it was a rematch from their New Japan Cup Classic that was held on the Summer Struggle Tour. That's going to be leading into the Summer Struggle event at the end of August. Um, it wasn't as thrilling as their New Japan Cup match, which I really think is one of uh, my matches of the year so far, but it was really good. I, I mean, and it's the same talking points, but it, it's still so amazing to think that these are two 52-year-old guys that are unafraid of any, uh, that are unafraid uh, to, to just go at each other, to be, to be ex completely violent with each other. They are... The, the standard bearers of a style that New Japan was known for, still is known for today, but has since transitioned and, and, and updated its style as well to follow current trends of wrestling as well. But you go back to basics when you see Suzuki and Nagata, Nagata go at it. And you look at, you look at how, how hard they hit each other and how brutal they are with each other. And you're like, you know, there are guys half their age who don't work this this strong who don't work this well fantastic match again you should check it out um like and don't let the fact that i downplayed it by saying it's not as good as their new japan cup match the new japan cup match was something special that was like it's one of those moments where you get lightning in the bottle and you're like jesus christ what am i looking at 
this was really good in its own in its own bubble. It's absolutely fantastic. Let's um, there was a pay per view this weekend. Did you, did you know that talk, talk and shop mania? <laughs> I just want to touch on this really, really quick because I had to, I, I I watched it. I didn't watch it live, but uh, thanks to the folks. Thank you very much, by the way, to the folks of Fight TV uh, who are always supplying me with Twitter contests and codes to watch these pay per views. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this was this was a wrestler party, and the fans were invited. It was a party of rest for wrestlers, and we got to peek in. This is something that, as fans, we never get to see. And 20, maybe 30, 40 years ago, we would have never, ever, ever known the existence of. It was full of inside jokes, uh, insider terminology, self-referential stuff, uh, current events you know the firings you know, whatnot um if you're into following wrestling news online this was right up your alley because you know if you follow the rumors and the news and all that my god it was right up there and it was silly it was a silly silly event now i get that there's a lot of people who ordered it and absolutely hated it i mean there was virtually no production value and i'm not saying that as a knock it's 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 a reality you know and i think everyone was okay with that the humor was always often very crude and again maybe not up uh maybe not up what everyone what some people liked i mean comedy is very subjective as well i myself cringed at a couple of things um but i don't know what people were expecting out of talking shopamania this is a podcast that the good brothers have and outright call it a shitty podcast they say that you know they put very little effort into it this was a reflection of it it's the brand that's what they do it's like you know well we have a shit podcast we're gonna put on a shit show and that's what we got and i to a certain extent maybe curb your expectations maybe do a little research before ordering it i don't i honestly and and there, this had been pre-taped this wasn't live there was there were there was promotional footage being leaked i mean there's there was promotional material being leaked it was clearly outside in someone's backyard i don't know what what anyone was expecting honestly past this it was fine. I mean, it's not something you're going to go back there was and, and watch. It's something that is very, very much a time capsule. Um, maybe, you know, uh, in a few years, we're going, this will serve sort of as an anchor point as we look back historically and say, oh, well, where was the business at this time? Well, look at what was happening here. But other than that, I mean, it was just a, like I said, a party. It was silly, stupid. I, I really think there was a, a, a little something for everyone, even though it might have been buried under other things. I thought it was okay, and I can completely understand why people didn't like it. Still, cool beans, because I'm glad. I'm glad there was something something like that was done, because it did feel light. It felt very cathartic for everyone who was involved there. Plus, we got to, saw, to see Nature Boy, Paul Lee, 
<laughs> that, that, my friends, in and about itself is something special. Let's, uh, oh, you know what else happened this week? Okay, that, that, uh, that was also cool. Some cool beans. Uh, the AEW Women's Tag Team Tournament Cup debuted. Now, I, I'm not, uh, you, y'all probably, well, you heard last week my rant. Uh, on uh, on AW's women division and it it still hasn't changed. I'm still not suddenly becoming very very favorable. But if we're going to talk about things in a in a vacuum perhaps we or or at least even within context. I think I think there's a there's an argument to 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 put forth that the um that the women's tag team tournament cup is a cool beans type of situation. It started on Monday nights it's going to be on YouTube on its in its own on its own uh, programming block. I didn't hate it. First and foremost, the thing that that popped me from the start, absolute start, Veda Scott on commentary. Veda is uh, she is uh, she's an indie wrestler who has all the tools to kind of do it all. Not only can she go in the ring, but she's a great talker. And she's great on commentary. She's done commentary and shimmer and shine multiple times. She's very, very good at it. And I was really glad they picked her up because this is someone she has wrestled with most of the women that are on the AEW roster. She knows them, knows their movesets. I think it was a particularly smart get. Good job, AEW, for bringing Veda in on this. Smart stuff. I pop for that. Um, then we had uh, two matches. We had the Nightmare Sisters versus Penelope Ford and Mel, who who did the deadly draw and uh, picked each other. And then we had uh, Nyla Rose and Ariana, the former Cameron versus uh, Ty Conti, the former Tainara Conti, now known known simply as Kai Ty Ty Conti and Anna J. I like the second match a lot more than the first, folks. Brandy Rhodes is not good at wrestling. And it's so weird that they're leaning into her. Uh, well, not not weird, but it's still a strange decision that they're leaning so hard into her to push the women's division forward. She's a great talker. She's very charismatic. She's good at what she's good at being a character as a performer, as a wrestler. Man, I can't stand her spear. Uh, yeah. I love that, uh, but I, the first match was okay, but the second one was definitely better. I love that Anna Jay got the full Dark Order to escort her out. It's the little details like this, but that mean a lot in terms of storytelling. Everyone in the Dark Order came out like they usually do with Brody Lee's matches or uh, or, or uh, uh, Ten's matches or uh, Uno and, and Grayson's matches. That's cool. I love that. Um, Ty, uh, Ty Conti was, it was fun to see her back. My God, her kicks are great. Uh, Nyla Rose, I, 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 I said it before, but I think we have to hammer this one home. She is one of the most improved wrestlers of 2020. Whenever I have an opportunity to talk about it, I will. I, in, in fall 2019, I would cringe at the idea of Nyla Rose being in a match. And in 2020, I'm like, give me more. 
she is she's become so good so fast she's improved so much my goodness we really have to have uh, proper conversations about that because i think a lot of people still have perceptions of nyla rose from her early work that we saw on aw last year and she has just propelled herself it's fantastic uh ariana eh, she was messy but you know she was brought in because she has a big social media presence and that's what they wanted they wanted people they're bringing Cameron in. The strategy behind that was just, excuse me, Ariana. I should stop calling her Cameron. She has a big social media presence, can reach out to people maybe who are lapsed fans or who gave up and uh, or or who've never watched wrestling before. Now they follow her. She says, hey, I'm going to be on this thing. And be like, oh, cool. I'm going to check it out. It, it makes sense because she really does have a big social media following. But um, Rose and, and Ariana got... Uh, got eliminated and that's okay i mean I, I, at first i was like wow they're tossing nyla rose out but why would you keep one of your top women into in the tournament you kind of want to keep her on the single side you keep those feuds alive and there's no reason to keep ariana so is this a reset of the women's division i think so i think this is what they're doing uh and i can get behind it this is kind of how it feels it's like hey let's reintroduce you all to the women so in and about itself the show was fine it was better than i expected and that's good but um yeah did they have to put this did they have to put this on youtube on monday nights nothing on dark nothing nothing on dynamite no no anyway but that's a whole that's a whole other thing isn't it i kind of talked about it last week we don't necessarily have to move back into that. Uh, more cool beans. Hey, hey, keep the cool beans coming. Biggie had his first match of his singles push on Friday against The Miz. I liked it. I thought it was fine. Uh, I know a lot of people were like, why did he have such a competitive match against The Miz? Well, because it makes sense. Because he's fought The Miz in tag team situations before and they were never squashes. Why would it suddenly become a squash here? I think that would have insulted my intelligence a little more. Um, I, I thought the match was fine. It wasn't anything mind-blowing, but fine. I think we're all excited at the prospect of Big E getting a singles push. Um, and if his finishing move is the stretch muffler, my God, that's great. I, I, I'm I okay with that. I think the stretch muffler is still one of the best names for a finisher in all of professional wrestling. And it somehow the wackiness, the weirdness of a stretch muffler, the the name it just fits Biggie so well. Uh, plus, I mean, he has the the arms and the strength to make it convincing. So yeah, I'm good with that. <clears throat> More cool beans. Let's keep going. Drew and 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 Randy Orton's promo. Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton's promo on Monday was real, real good. And you remember last week when I was saying. That this is a, a feud with Randy Orton is exactly what Drew's uh, reign needs. This is what I meant on Monday. Randy has history, tenure with the company. He's in, you know, he's a he's a Hall of Famer to be, right? He's been doing such <coughs> fantastic work. Excuse me, since coming back with with Edge 
since the beginning of the year, when you think about it, Randy has been on one of his most consistently entertaining uh, uh, runs in his history in the company. It makes perfect sense that he leans into uh, that he leans into the. Um, it makes perfect sense that he leans into the 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 WWE Championship at this point, saying, "You, you know what? This is I. This is what I can do." I can do this stuff and I'm good at it. So I love it. I really, really love it. Um, uh, there's there's one little little gripe that I have out of this and it's tiny. But again, like WWE has to lean into some very, very real situations to make their kayfabe angles go forward. Uh, Drew referencing the fact that he was fired and uh, don't get me wrong. This was good, you know, referencing all the shit shitty shit shit things that Randy Orton has done throughout his WWE career but never got fired and I like the fact that Randy Orton said yeah yeah yeah, I could have been fired multiple times but I'm a you know I'm a golden boy I'm untouchable they need me here I you know I I can dig that perspective that he has so it's good stuff but it really does seem like WWE can't create proper interesting storylines without diving into reality like they did with Drake Maverick like they did bringing bringing Heath Slater back in always diving into the shoot elements which which are good once in a while don't get me wrong I I like a good angle rooted in reality but when is too much when is it when is when is it enough and I think I've re- I reached a saturation point where I'm like, okay, y- y'all are feuding for backstage reasons that ultimately only some smart fans are really, really aware of. Um, and we want some some fresh stories. We want some new stories. We want we want stories, right? We just just let the boys tell their stories. And I really think that this is one of these feuds where if you left, um. If you left Orton and McIntyre tell stories in the ring, we need all the the extra stuff on the outside. I really don't. All right, that's enough cool beans. We've been too much on a good uh, on a good good streak. It's broken now. Hot trash. Why do we get another shit finish for the women on Raw? Why did we get? Why did we get another shit finish for the women uh, on Raw? Okay. Uh, Oscar, we we had um, we had Sasha versus um, Shayna Baszler, fresh match, something that the fans were legitimately excited to see. Oscar runs in, attacks Bailey, and it forces the DQ. Bailey's not in the match; she's just hanging out on the outside, uh, supporting uh, Sasha Banks. So I'm like, whoa, what, what? WWE has this impression that we don't understand the rule. Look, the rules in a wrestling match are so goddamn simple. They're easy to understand on a very basic level. This is the framework within which you tell the stories. If you start throwing the rules out out the window, then you really lose a catalyst for storytelling. You lose uh, because you're discrediting everything that you've set up. A DQ forced because of two people not involved in the match fight on the outside. My God, the history, the litany 
of past WWE matches that should have been a DQ is long at this point. And this ends the match. And then, I see, of course, you get the people who were like, oh, well, that keeps Sasha and, and, and keeps Sasha and, and Shayna strong. If you want to keep your women strong and you don't want to pick a winner or a loser between the both of them, don't book the match. Just don't book the match. It's so simple. Or, or find another find another ending. Find anything else. There are ways to make people look strong in defeat. This shit finish insulted our intelligence. And here's the other thing. it This match was legitimately exciting because it was fresh. This is the first time you give us Sasha versus Shayna Baszler and you throw the finish away. And it's the first time you give it to us. A fresh match. An inter- yes, this should have been kept for a pay-per-view. They should have kept their hands off of each other. If this is what you're going to do. Because, because it's not it's not fresh anymore. It's not like, oh, first time ever. It didn't feel special. It doesn't feel special. This was bad. And I don't understand why WWE has so much trouble giving proper finishes for the women's matches these days. We're going to go back to some cool beans now as we talk about (laughs) Raw Underground. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Cool beans for Raw Underground. (laughs) Okay. Hear me out here because this is one of those divisive things. This is one of these things where, where everyone breaks down and picks a side, right? But hear me out, okay? This is one of these things that WWE does that is so stupid, but they do it in such a gloriously absurd fashion that I I could not just, all I could do was sit back and laugh. I was sitting, sitting back and laughing at the sheer nonsense of it. A ring without any without without any uh, ropes or posts set up uh, back in the back of the PC, where, where you have guys surrounding it <clears throat> with their shirts off, ready to fight. Fucking dancers on a riser, and Shane McMahon is hosting it. It is, it's the most WWE thing. Now. I think that there there are there are different ways there are ways that they could have introduced it in a much different fashion cuz I think one of the things that made it gloriously absurd was dad Shane McMahon hosting it with his smile and his white sneakers and you know just it just didn't work you know hey you want to fight hey you want to fight it, it doesn't work you needed someone grittier you needed someone much more visceral than fucking Shane backstage and it should have been introduced in a different way it shouldn't have been like it really shouldn't have been like oh we're going backstage to raw underground like what they should have had like some of the mid-card guys like the viking raiders like uh, whoever they use here Dolph, walking around backstage and hearing some you know hearing some cheering or music like they then sort of walks in and is like what the hell is going on a little more cinematic right Walking in, what the hell is going on here? Then you see 
PC trainees fight each other and Shane bouncing around. And, and that becomes sometimes, I mean, let me start over. It's a literary technique, right? To have a character that's used, that's supposed to be your proxy in the story. Someone who discovers everything around you. It's a storytelling technique. Someone who discovers the universe or, or, or the situation, you get to understand what's going on through that character's eyes. Like Neo in The Matrix, right? That's a... That's it. That that that's exactly that's exactly it. Everything is new, opening up, uh, opening up to all this, this universe, this world. Luke Skywalker in in, in Star Wars as well. You, uh, you identify with this character because they're into this new situation that you don't understand either. And I think that would have been a good way to do it, following this wwe star this wrestler who comes into raw underground and is like what the hell am i looking at i mean it they're taping anyway none of this is live so might as well lean into it right i thought it look it was stupid i think it's stupid to have pretend shoot fights i i i you know have wrestlers pretend that they're shoot fighting this is a whole other level of meta to me but i mean it was so wonderfully done now apparently it scored really big in ratings apparently it was a big big get but will it maintain i would say probably not this is this is your typical key desperate wwe we're dipping in ratings we need something uh to get people talking so we're gonna pull the trigger on this thing and it's gonna be a short-term gain because it won't pay off it, it ultimately won't pay off because they're 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 not going to use it properly. It's going to lose steam uh, once people realize that it's kind of lame. We all sort of flipped out watching it on Monday because we were like, "My God, what is this?" But you can't you can't maintain the 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 magic surprise the 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 magic of the surprise week after week. I think this could have this could. There, there are ways that they could make it more interesting. There really is. I, Especially if the Hurt Business is in charge now, well, have them put the fights together. First of all, change the production of it. Change how you produce it. Make it different from, from, what, you, uh, from what you see on WWE uh, 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 in the ring. Stop with it. It was produced exactly like a match with the with the cuts and the the camera zooms with the punches and shit like that. Now is the time to break out of your production mold, WWE, and and gritty yourself up a bit. My God, they love the everything to be pristine and perfect. And this is the opposite. If you want us to believe that this is underground, that this has nothing to do with the show, that it's unsanctioned, then you go with a completely different shooting style. Something. Closer to what you'd see on the independent circuit, I think would would be would pay off. It would be extremely different. Go grittier with it. I think you know if the hurt business is in charge, like they say, there's right then and there. There's an attitude that you can bring with it that will be a lot more. Uh, that'll be a lot more gangster to it because that's kind of what the hurt business is. You know, they're like they're they're gangsters. That's that's what they're emulating, right? Um, dump Shane, get rid of Shane. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't help. He doesn't help. He he makes it feel corny. 
unless you want to continue to make it because that's what that's one of the things that was really endearing about it on Monday, but it's going to wear thin very, very quickly. Um, but lean into the fact that it's that it's edgier, but you have to go all in on your production. You, get rid of the dancers. My God, what? that didn't it, it adds nothing. It's not even titillating. It's not like, oh, look at that. It's boring. And it's so contrived. There's nothing good about it. And create stories and create stories. Now you can script a little more. You, you can have little little backstage vignettes. There's a whole different there's a whole different feel that you can create here um, with, with it outside of it being, well, it's exactly like what we do uh, in the ring, but we do it backstage. You know, but look, we'll see what happens. But for now, it's kind of it's kind of lame. <laughs> it's kinda, but the good lame. It's the good kind of lame. Uh, more cool beans. Let's move on to AEW Dynamite. That twelve man tag team match that they had last night on Dynamite: the Young Bucks, FTR, Page and Omega versus the Dark Order. That was really good. That was that was so. So good. I mean, twelve people. There for for there being twelve people in this match. There was a wild. There was a certain amount of self control. It got chaotic. It was fast paced. It was wild. And this is what I like about AEW. I think they're really consistent on that level. They out of a couple of very out of a couple of examples, a couple of moments. They're very very consistent with how they start off. Uh, with how they start off Dynamite. Fast and Furious match. Uh, things going by quickly. Uh, Fast-paced. High-flying action. Gets invested straight off the bat. And you had so much great talent here in this match. Love the storytelling that was told here. First of all, Brody Lee getting the win. I think that's good. I think it's good for him. It's a big win over the uh, over the baby faces here. Uh, Dax get... Um, uh, injures himself, gets carried back by Cash and Adam Page, who goes along with him. So continuing to sow those seeds of dissent within the elite, I like it. I, despite all the chaos, there was a lot of good stuff happening here. And another thing that I like really quick, I like the fact that people are realizing that Evil Uno and Stu Grace and the former Smash, Super Smash Bros from the indie circuit uh, wow, these guys are good, are, are fun to watch in the ring. Yeah, they are. They always have been. They just weren't, they just weren't doing what made them so much fun on the indies. So I'm super glad that this is happening at the same time that uh, that SSB are getting their due on top of that because they are a fantastic tag team. They really are. Uh, more cool beans. A lot of good stuff this week, wouldn't you say, guys? Or at least I'm focusing a lot on the good stuff. Because there was a lot of good stuff. I think there's a lot... I think this week in wrestling, there was a lot of better stuff than there was uh, negative or bad stuff anyway. Um, the Super Wednesday Debate 2020 with Eric Bischoff. My God. I liked the segment. I thought it was fun. It was good to see Eric Bischoff back uh, on TV. I think the role was perfect for him. Uh, Chris Jericho and, uh, and Orange Cassidy had... A wonderful, wonderful segment. I liked it. I 
I get it that it's that it's a it's an election year in the U.S., but you know already with the MJF presidential stuff and the debate, we can also not we can also not necessarily lean in too hard on on politics uh, on this level. I you know I, I get it, but it also feels like very very WWE. You know where it's like, hey, we can do skits. SNL do skits we can do skits too kind of thing you know but I'm just quibbling I like the segment I really did um you know I like um Chris Jericho was basically the pattern here was Chris Jericho was answering the questions and Orange Cassidy wasn't because he's the king of sloth style right so Jericho would answer the questions calling uh calling Orange Cassidy uh, a nerd saying that he, we went to, to high school together. He'd kick his ass, wedge him, steal his lunch money and his girlfriend. Uh, he's He makes fun of Orange Cassidy's appearance saying, you stand there in a denim jacket that smells like old salami, Dracar Noir and batteries. <laughs> That's a, that was funny. Uh, then there's a question about, uh, about the uh, rising uh, level of the, of the oceans. And Orange Cassidy gives a, a long response, educated response. And Chris Jericho's face throughout it all was just absolutely precious. Uh, Jericho also calls Orange Cassidy the pimple on the ass of the wrestling business. And he says, next week I'm going to pop you. And then when we get to the question of the rematch at the end, uh, Cassidy says, answers the question, interrupts Jericho and says, look, I know why you're doing this. You want to say I'm, embar I'm an embarrassment. I don't mind that I'm an embarrassment, but I care about this match. It's one of the biggest match. It's the biggest match of my career. And when you think about it, Chris, it's the biggest match of your career as well, because if you lose to me, what does that look for you? So, I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> I also like Bischoff awarding the debate to, to Cassidy and Jericho goes, Bischoff, I've known you for 22 years. You, uh, he, no, he says, I can't give you, you don't award someone a debate. I've known you, known you for 22 years and I hate you. Bischoff says, it's been 24 and I know how you feel. <laughs> so This was a really good segment. I thought it was really, really good. And I'm going to tell you guys one thing right here. And you can you can tell this to all the all the detractors, all the people who still shit on, on Orange Cassidy, despite there's no, despite there not being any real reason to do it anymore. Uh, the fact that Chris Jericho is working with this guy means that Jericho does see the value in him. He understands the value of Orange Cassidy. He knows and sees how the fans react to him, and he knows how to play off of him to create this moment. He is giving Cassidy a rub. There's no, absolutely no doubt about it, but Orange Cassidy is coming out really, really strong in it. He's looking really good in this rub right here. I think um, I think Jericho knows exactly what he's doing, and he understands that the value of a character like Orange Cassidy is amplified against or juxtaposed to a character like Chris Jericho's. Jericho knows knows the business. He I don't think he works with people that he feels won't uh, don't have anything to give back or don't have a future. I think this is. Again, with this debate, I think this is a big, big deal for Orange Cassidy. And I'm really, really happy for that. Uh, we got to get some hot trash here for a little bit. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the, the 
the women or the lack of on AW last night. Um, we got in a, in their two hour show, including commercials, let's say hour and 45 minutes. I don't know how long the commercial. Um, we got uh, under four minutes of any mention of the women. There was the Brit angle with swole, the match and under four minutes for the entire women's division on your flagship show. They, they, they take the time to plug AEW heels. I'm going to be talking about AEW heels. But they take the time to plug that and say, hey, we're starting this, this, this club for, for women, women fans. You should join. Why would a woman fan join when all you have is one women's match throughout the entire evening, right? There's only that. Um, there's, there's only that one match and it's, it lasts like two minutes. There was zero promotion for the women's tag team cup tournament. Zero this. And it performed better on YouTube, got more views than AEW dark, not a single vignette or interview for any of the other women on the roster. They don't care. They just don't care. Oh, they'll they'll take your money though for to join your their the club. But they're not going to put the women on dynamite. Uh, they, this to me it fascinates me. It really does. You don't have to necessarily put on three to four extra women's matches. You could put another match. You could have easily shaved off some time on a couple of matches here to make room for another match. Or just have a, a Sheeta vignette, an Abaddon vignette, an J vignette, Penelope Ford. You might be hurting for women, but use the women that you that you already have. It's 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 so it's so backwards, is what it is. It's backwards, and the thing is is that this is a position that AEW has put itself in because they said uh, from the onset, our women's division is going to be a priority. We want to create uh, a space where there's uh, there's equal opportunities for everyone. This is what you get. And finally, we're going to go back to some cool beans because I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about Moxley versus uh, versus uh, Darby Allen. That was such a strong, strong main event. It was good, good stuff. Um, from the promo where John Moxley was saying was basically relating to Darby Allen, saying, "Kid, you know, I've had people who love me tell me my entire life, don't do this death match, don't do this stupid shit." But I, I didn't listen. I didn't anyway. And I know you're the kind of guy. Who's, who's like that as well. So I'm going to tell you, when I beat you up, when it's time to stay down, stay down. But I know you're not going to listen. I thought I thought it was great. I like, I like this, associ- this association via respect. It doesn't tarnish John Moxley's rep- character as being like a lone wolf kind of thing. But it, 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 it does add a little depth to it. It, it, you know, where it's like, this guy's my equal. And I think that's what makes it more special. If John Moxley had friends all around, 
his partnership or his respect with his respect angle that he has with Darby Allen wouldn't feel so special because he he doesn't act, he being Moxley doesn't act this way with other wrestlers. So it helps boost your boy Darby a little bit as well. Um, and this was this was great. This uh, this was absolutely fantastic. Moxley even got was busted open during the match because uh, because of a belt shot by MJF. There were coffin drops and it was it was really really well paced, strong uh, uh, strong match, the kind of match that Mox you know looks uber powerful in. Ends with a paradigm shift. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And this, you know, when I when I tell you guys, this is the way that that you can. This is a way that you can make someone still look strong in defeat. Darby Allen doesn't look worse for the wear here. He really doesn't. The match was booked smartly so that he would still come out looking strong. Now, I would argue that it's more than damn time for Darby Allen to win a big match because he's still one of the most more, more popular acts in the company. And I think it's time for him to win a big match. I don't think he should have beat John Moxley. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you know, it's time for him to score a couple under his belt. There you have it, folks. Uh, yeah, there we have it. That's the end of the weekly wrestling inspection. Thank you again to our buddy Ben for the uh, for the pro uh, for the the uh, the wrestling weekly wrestling inspection jingle. I really appreciate Hello, it. Hello, Warren. It is I, professional wrestling match bot. Of course. I have returned again. I hope you are well. I am. Thank you very that much. That is good to hear. Or oh, that humidity. Am I right? Yeah. Are you staying hydrated? Good. It is important that you absorb liquids so your inferior organic makeup can continue to operate without failing. Okay, thank you. As for me, I have a liquid cooling system that goes below dew point to specifically cool my CPU to optimum temperature. By going below dew point, it extends the life of my electronic components allowing me to run at maximum efficiency and achieve 97 to 98% electrical efficiency. Okay. Does your drinking water do that? I believe it is time for you to talk about your favorite professional wrestling matches for the month of July 2020. Okay, good. Good idea. According to my database of your tastes and proclivities in regards to professional wrestling, I believe the following matches are your favorite professional wrestling matches for the month of July 2020. Shall we begin? Yes, okay. Here are your favorite professional wrestling matches for the month of July 2020. Hikaru Shida vs. Penelope Ford AEW Fighter Fest July 1st, 2020. Is this correct? Absolutely. This was a, a surprise. It was the match that stole the show on Fighter Fest Night 1. 
it was so good. Sheeta, Ring General, Penelope Ford. Thank you, Tomohiro Ishii versus Hiromu Takahashi NJPW New Japan Cup, July 2nd, 2020. Is this correct? Absolutely. Tomohiro Ishii, the MVP of New Japan, plus uh, Hiromu, who is uh, absolutely fantastic. Their styles mes meshed really well together. Fantastic. Thank you. Matt Riddle versus John Morrison, WWE SmackDown, July 3rd, 2020. Is this correct? Who would have thought that John Morrison was the guy to put with Matt Riddle and to, to sort of help elevate Riddle, make him look special? John Morrison, man, he's been fantastic. Thank you. Oscar versus Bailey, Monday Night Raw, July 6th, 2020. Is this correct? Hey, you put two of the best in the ring together, you're going to get magic. This, outside of the ending, this match was absolutely fantastic. We were spoiled. When we're Thank you. FDR and the Young Bucks versus The Butcher, The Blade and the Lucha Brothers, AEW Fighter Fest, July 8th, 2020. Is this correct? Yeah, this match was wild. It was fantastic. And, uh... All the clash of styles that happened throughout this match, it, it, it worked perfectly. Good representation. Thank you. Shingo Takagi versus Show NJPW Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall, July 12th, 2020. Is this correct? Absolutely. Again, uh, two of the absolute best who have such chemistry together. Another fantastic match by Shingo and Show. Great stuff. Thank you. You're Jordan Grace versus Diona Parasso. Impact Slammy vs. Early 2020, July 18th, 2020. Is this correct? Yes, uh, Grace and uh, and Parazzo was uh, was one of the show stealers that evening. Such good stuff. Diona Parazzo, man. A lot of people are biting their fingers. Shouldn't have Thank you. Oscar versus Sasha Banks. WWE The Horror Show at Extreme Rules. July 19th, 2020. Is this correct? One of the strongest women's matches to come out of WWE this year. It's right up there. It was uh, it was absolutely fantastic outside of the shit. Thank shit you, ending. Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler, WWE The Horror Show at Extreme Rules, July nineteenth, twenty twenty. Is this correct? Drew McIntyre has been absolutely consistent, consist consistently good as champion. With Dolph, it was the perfect uh, situation for him to look even better. Thank you. Bronson Reed versus Johnny Gargano versus Roderick Strong. WWE NXT, July 15th, 2020. Is this correct? Absolutely. What a great match that was. Fantastic triple threat. Love the fact that they're putting one of the new guys over. And what better place to ha what better place to put him over with than Thank with you, Cody versus Eddie Kingston, AEW Dynamite, July twenty second, twenty twenty. Is this correct? This was the this was the most emphatic match that I had seen in a while. Eddie Kingston is fantastic. His, everyone discovered him. He's been signed since. A great brawl, emotional. Thank Loved you, him. the Young Bucks versus. The Butcher and the Blade, AEW Dynamite, July 22nd, 2020. Is this correct? Fantastic. I, I loved, I, I, 
uh, I love the false count anywhere. It got really good when they came from the back to the ringside. Great match between the both of them. Absolutely. Thank you. This concludes the list of your favorite professional wrestling matches for the month of July 2020. Sounds right. Thank you. I hope you continue to enjoy professional wrestling and professional wrestling matches. I do too. Thank you for the... Uh, Good night, Warren. And do understand that my concern for your squishy and frail human form is true and sincere. At least as true and sincere as simulated emotions can make them. Tarafa now. <laughs> okay, thank you, professional wrestling match bot. For that, hey, let's talk about uh, Mustafa Ali for a little bit. Um, if, again, a guy who is has instant star written all over him. WWE brings him brings him back, and then uh, uh, has him win a match, and then the next week, well, he has him lo uh, lose a match, right? Because I was talking with Alex Velasquez on the uh, on, on the uh, Wednesday Night Wars podcast last night. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's very important in the in the model of creating a superstar in WWE that you, you make them hot, but then you cool them down again. And Alex compared it. He said, yes, you know, there's nothing I like more. I love this analogy. Nothing like I love more than taking a pizza, frozen pizza, putting, them in, putting it in the oven, heating it up, cooking it, pulling it out, then putting it back into the freezer so I can cook it up again. That's something that we all enjoy. So I thought that was a really good analogy. But Mustafa Ali was on the bump this week, and he, I, I want to read his comments. I want to read what he said to you. I don't know if you took the time. I know not a lot of people, not everyone watches the bump, but there's there's some really cool stuff that comes out of it. And Mustafa Ali here, particularly this time, I thought had some very, very salient things to say. I'm quoting here. As for adaptation, you can't adapt without opportunity. If you don't have the opportunity and you're not given a platform, if you're not included in a discussion, it's hard. You can be the best in the world, but if you're sitting in a dark room and no one sees you, no one sees you. I will always be ready and be prepared so when that opportunity comes, I'm going to hit a home run, but I need to be called up to bat. I'm a very unique superstar in the sense that it's not about wins and championships for me. I don't have the best win-loss record, and I've never held a championship despite being with the company since 2016. That is not this. That is not me complaining. The thing is, the thing that I am craving for and asking for is to tell a story. I can sit here and tell everybody that I have not had that opportunity yet. Look at all the moments I've had in my career, from Money in the Bank with Brock Lesnar to the Ali Kofi Mania switch. Randy Orton, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me, Randy Orton taking me out, costing me that opportunity. All these, I think, layups are a chance to tell a story and show who I am. They weren't told. As a performer, that's frustrating. I'm craving for an opportunity to tell a story. I feel I'm the best in the world at it. And once I get a chance to do it, it will be something people will talk about for years to come. Time off is hard when it's not your choice. I want people to understand this isn't someone that is mad. This is someone that is so passionate and wants to perform and is trying to figure out why he's not allowed to perform and there's no real explanation given. To anyone who is passionate about something, you can understand that's frustrating. Now, 
These types of comments usually come from superstars, wrestlers who have been laid off from WWE, right? And and usually fans will, will some fans will go like, oh, well, they're just bitter because they lost their jobs. Yeah, but this is a guy who's employed by the company. This is a guy who's saying textually what a lot of the departed wrestlers from WWE say, but he still has a job there. He's like, look, all I want to do is go out there and perform and I want to tell stories. I don't give a shit about win-loss. I don't give a shit about your championships. I just want to, I just want to do what I love to do. And they keep talking about opportunities. He said it himself, right? You can't adapt without opportunity. If you don't have the opportunity and you're not given a platform, you're not included and you're not in, if you're not included in a discussion, it's hard. This connects exactly to what we've been talking about for a while now about the brass ring, about WWE being a meritocracy. You have to earn your spot. It's not that. He said it himself. You have to be given the opportunity. Again, we're debunking the myth of the brass ring you have to grab, of the fact that WWE is merit-based. Booker T saying you have to earn that spot. It's not about earning. You have to be given an opportunity. You, the door has to be open for that. That's just how it works. And we're seeing it here. I saw the interview on top of the comments here. Ali is a goddamn pro. He's not sitting around. He wasn't sitting around being very mad or angry. He didn't have a frowny face. He was very calm. He was very matter of fact with, with his opinions. He's like, well, look, this is how it's happening. I just want to go out and wrestle. Why won't WWE let me wrestle? I wish I could tell you because I really want to do it. And I'm, and I'm pretty good at what I do as well. It's so refreshing to have a guy like him. And I think this is one of the reasons that make him so, that help him connect so easily with, um, with uh, WWE fans. It's because of how grounded, how matter of fact, how, um, uh, uh, how uh, authentic he is in his comments and the way he speaks and what he speaks of that makes him so refreshing that makes him that makes him stand out from every other wrestler who just talks about um meritocracy uh, not meritocracy excuse me well yes about the meritocracy but you know that is just inundated in PR speak and the overly scripted promos there's something so natural and real about him. That's why he connects. That's why people get excited when he's on TV. Because we're like, we can relate to this guy. We understand this guy. But they're not strapping any, even the, not even a rocket. Just like strapping a pair of, of, of uh, spring shoes. You know, those, the spring shoes that you bounce around on. You know, where there's these big coils underneath the soles. You know what I'm talking about. They're not even giving him that. So it's it's frustrating to hear that because then on the other side, you have Vince McMahon saying, you know, we're, we're building, we're, we're going to build new stars. But then you have the stars that people want to see and we're, we don't see them. They end up just disappearing when they could be connecting with a whole, a brand new audience. And isn't that kind of what WWE is lacking right now? A brand new audience? You should check out the interview. 
that he gave on the bump or or check out uh, the the comments by the way shout out to our boy uh Jeremy Lambert over at Fightful who did the uh the transcription of the interview um you, you re- go uh, read the transcription it's really good and it's refreshing and it's nice to hear and you sort of realize that the bitterness maybe if you want to call it that that some of the wrestlers feel when they leave the company isn't entirely an unfounded and isn't entirely untrue when the opportunity opens up. If the opportunity opens up, there's a very small window that you can use to get yourself over. It's, it's really wild. Okay. <clears throat> close To close this up, I want to talk about AEW heels. Um, AEW via Brandy Rhodes yesterday officially launched AEW Heels. What is AEW Heels, Warren? I do not know what you're talking about. I do not have the tweeters. I do not go on read it. Uh, please tell me what is AEW Heels. Well, from their from their own press materials, AEW Heels is a new community for women who love wrestling. The female forward movement led by Brandy Rhodes and the stars of AEW's women's division is designed to celebrate and inspire our female fans around the world. AEW Heels is dedicated to making this the best time ever to be a female wrestling fan. Be who you are and come as you are because we're all going to come together as a community to change the world. There's that line again, to change the world. Mm. So, on one hand... Okay, and basically, just before I, I actually get into, um, there have been AEW heel, AEW heels get-togethers before this one. I think there's been two. Kristen Ashley, the first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, and from Bell to Bell's covered, uh, was invited to both and covered it. Uh, and uh, very cool. Like these are experiences that she really liked. She came out of it very, very positive. Uh, very, very positive about it. I uh, thought it was a great way for to create a, a space for women to be able to just be themselves and uh, and not feel like they're being preyed upon or ha- you know. Because on one hand, this is a this is a good thing. This is a good thing. Clearly, the first two installments were they were testing out the waters, see how they could do it, what they could offer up as um as uh, as uh, uh, what they could offer up as stuff you know to do online so um because it's it's a big virtual zoom call so that's cool so so to do that to create a safe a safe space for uh for unrepresented fans or underrepresented fans is what I should say uh it, that's a good thing a very very good thing it's a place uh where you can be your gender and not get hit on mercilessly by dudes. And folks, don't think that this doesn't happen. It happens all the time. And this is nothing, nothing new. If you're you're a, if you're a woman who enjoys professional wrestling, even 15, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Jesus Christ, when I was more involved on the message boards back then or on Usenet and RSPW. If anyone, if any woman sort of announced herself as being of the female gender, uh, she she would be 
swarmed by guys and she'd be i i know of two women who used to uh, take part in message boards who back then who uh who abandoned their original account and started up neutral accounts so that they could just continue posting and talking about wrestling unbothered and never revealed what their gender was and they were automatically assumed to be dudes despite the fact that they never said that they were men they 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 that's what that that's what the assumption was this is something that has been happening for a long long time it it's been very it, it's it, it's not a good feeling to go into an environment and feel like you're being checked out judged just based on your gender so to create a space where they can cultivate female fans i think it's a great idea i really do now th th there's a price tag attached to it. It's a it's an annual membership to AEW Heels. Costs fifty dollars to join. So basically, it's a fan club for women, essentially, and you get to have Zoom calls with talent and Brandy and so on, and have this good space. So the price is a thing, right? And I can certainly understand the economics of it. Uh, you know, we're in a pandemic right now. Money is probably not flowing as much as as it should or would. Uh, there there are no ticket sales from the live from the live venues <clears throat> uh, coming in for AEW. Uh, so I'm sure that they're like thinking, trying to figure out new ways to, of creating revenue, right? Because and I'm okay with the idea of a company wanting to make money. That's the sole reason a company exists. A company stops making money, it ceases to exist. That's what it's for. And no one wants to see AEW cave. Unless you're a, a, an absolute apologist for any other of the companies or one that unreal un, unabashedly hates AEW for some weird reason there's you don't want to see it cave competition diversity and wrestling uh for places for wrestlers to work different styles different approaches is so important so important but i don't think this was the right approach and and I, i'm just going to speak on this very very lightly because I'm a white, I'm a white man, so I can't talk about, in, in all security, about misrepresentation of, um, misrepresentation of, uh, of, um, misrepresentation, uh, or underrepresentation, I should say, of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? underrepresentation of 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 minorities of 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 of, of groups right uh because i think i think the the language that was used was a little weird uh i can um not it doesn't feel quite as inclusive inclusive you know the money might be a factor as well i in regards to uh in regards to including in, in regards to inclusion as well uh i don't think it's as inclusive a statement as they as the think it is and there's a lot of people speaking out on that that make a lot of sense 
uh, as well. Um, my pal Harmony on Twitter, who's uh, who's a brilliant lady in that regard, she says that the thing she tweeted out, she says the thing that really bugs me is that we're already doing it, creating spaces, safe spaces for minority groups or under underrepresented groups to feel safe in wrestling. There are tons of rim, women's wrestling fans, she says, who work hard to build communities and welcoming spaces for each other. So the verbiage could definitely be different. And I think I do think that the money issue is an issue. I I think it's weird that here, let's create a safe space for 50 bucks. You have to you have to pay if you want to feel safe. That's that's kind of strange. Um and there is an argument to be made that they could have reached out, they being AEW could have reached out to uh to groups as well, to other groups to exist to to create something together kind of thing. But the thing that's really weird here is that Brandy, Brandy Rhodes, sort of didn't take well to the to the uh, the commentary, the criticism, and she tweeted out, "Oh, for the love of lemons, my head is aching. This is not about women's wrestling. It's about community and the fans. Now stop droning on and on like that. Little dog barking next door in the dog day heat. Context is key. Reading is comprehension, and I am bored." Not a good response for someone who's an executive in the company, who's in charge. I think this here is Brandy telling the fans, shut up, you're not getting it. Instead of being open and trying to understand what people are trying to tell you, Brandy, your paying customers, your fans, the people that are invested in you, the people who believed you. You and Cody and the Bucks, when you said you wanted to be a forward-thinking company, inclusive, you've been saying this from the start, that you that you want to create opportunities for all fans to feel safe. This is one of the, this is one of the steps you're taking forward, and people are telling you maybe not that great. And Brandy, you're shutting people down, and you're saying I don't want to listen. This is a company that told us. If we see things aren't working, we're going to change them. Well, we're telling you right now. If anything, if this is bothering you, don't respond. Brandy, you're supposed to give a a a at the first AEW heels, you're supposed to tell you're supposed to give a seminar on uh building your brand online on online marketing. And this is what you go and do. This is not a good look. It's not a good look for you. It's not a good look for AEW. There's a level of disdain here towards the fan reaction where I'm like, my God, you're not you're you're not opening yourself up to what to some very, very valid criticism. And you're doing this in a in a time where people don't have much faith in your women's division. So there was a very, very there is an approach here that kind of feels tone deaf to what's been being said. If you're listening to your super fans. The people who will unabashedly love and appreciate and gobble up without question what you're doing, well, you're, then you're doing it right. But how far are these people going to carry you? And what is the representation that you ultimately like? But this is a whole other situation. Look, what I think AEW should have done in this circumstance is maybe think about streaming. Maybe think about streaming. They have a YouTube channel that's open for monetization. 
use super chats, get donations, get memberships on your YouTube channel, create tiers, approach it more as a Patreon, approach it more as a Patreon than just, hey, 50 bucks, uh, 50 bucks a year and you'll get this. You'll be able to sit in on these calls. There's something, you'll be able to buy merch. <laughs> you know, it it's kind of wild to me. And it's it, it's a model that a lot of wrestlers use. A lot of, uh, look at what I'm doing right now. It's, it's a model that's not alien to people and could have created a revenue stream for AEW that would have been much more approachable and friendly for the average fan. I don't know why they didn't lean into it. Or open up a Twitch if you want. Uh, monetization, getting monetized on Twitch is really easy. It would have happened within a few days for AEW and they would have been eligible for it. Probably could have created, struck up a nice partnership with Twitch on top of that. I don't know why they didn't do that. These are all models that people are used to. Something closer to a Patreon, some streaming. Hell, on YouTube, you can join a channel as a member and then you create your exclusive content for members only. And then people have the choice. But there's a lot of people who are, who are finding it rough in the middle of this pandemic to cough up $50 for this. I get it. Is it worth it? Is it worth a live stream for uh, a, one live stream per month? Maybe. I don't know. I said one live stream per month. I don't know what the offer is exactly. I don't know how often they're going to be doing it. But I understand there's, they have bills to pay. They need the revenue stream. This is what they came up with. But to be perfectly frank with all of you, it's a little tone deaf. And I don't think it's as inclusive, inclusive as they would like. Or as they think it is, I should say. And I think that the economic model is a little skewed. There are many other options they could have done. Many, many op other options they could have done. But this is what they chose. Again, we'll see what happens. They still have time to turn things around. If AEW does listen to its fans, there are adjustments that they should bring to their model here. But my God, Brandy, don't do this. Don't don't react the way that you react. I know you're leaning into a heel character online right now. When it's like, oh, I have an action figure. I'm the brand chief brand officer. And so I, I get it. I get that. And... I'm looking at the response and I'm like, is she being a heel here? Because if she's being a heel in this situation, she shouldn't. She needs to be very earnest with the fans at this point and be on the ground level and be like, look, you guys, we get it. Or ignore, regroup, rethink, and come back with something else. I think there's a whole context. She said it herself. Context is key. I agree. The context in which you guys are launching AEW heels right now is not good for the company. You needed a soft approach. This is not a soft approach. But you know what? Else? I'm going to give a soft approach to my exit though today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. It was kind of strange. Not going to lie. Doing recording the show without anyone around, without the usual live chat hanging around. But hey, I'll be back next week. Doing the show live next Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. So I'll be back. And if you don't ever watch me live, well, hey, it's business as usual. Except you were like, man, he's not being interrupted by all these super chats as like per usual. But that's 
That's fine. This was the, that's fine. The important thing was that we were I was able to come back out here, chat wrestling with y'all, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a uh, I hope you have a great week, everyone. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.